housing is a fundamental human need. Constructing that housing is often a complex undertaking that requires understanding, patience, skill, and foresight. Developing affordable housing can be challenging for sure, but the reward can truly change people's lives. And for that, it's totally worth it. Let us explore that journey with the people doing that work. This is the Housing Development Practitioner's View podcast. Let's continue the conversation with Nick Mayo, a professional fireman with the city of Middletown, Connecticut, and a risk consultant with HAI Group. Evacuation routes. So um, what are your thoughts on, so now the, let's just continue with this scenario we sort of painted, the, 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 the building is now built. Uh, we're bringing in uh, residents. Uh, I assume during kind of orientation, if you will, we, we talk a little bit through some of that. Do you like fire drills or kind of uh, group events where we can go over that kind of stuff? Is that realistic? What are your thoughts on some of that? Sure. So the, the best thing that you can do is every touch point you have with that resident, remind them of important safety features within the building. Hmm. So th initial tenant orientation, if I'm moving into a unit, Obviously, you want to discuss the parameters of the lease and then the safety information of yeah. the unit and the building. Um, every year when that tenant recertifies um, through their recertification process and resigns their lease, that's your opportunity as a property manager to sit down with them and, and explain to them again, these are your means of egress within the building. This is, we want you, this is what we want you to do in case of a fire alarm, a smoke detector activation, things of that nature. Um, it's extremely important because sometimes um, in a building you might have a language barrier with some residents. So uh, we always recommend um, evacuation routes and important safety information. The best place to put that is not only on community boards but also um, on the back of their entry door. Something that they see all the time, it'll just be kind of ingrained in their memory. This is what you do in case of an emergency. Yeah. Um, so posting that information throughout the building, it's that, that's how you get residents to see it all the time, remember it, and then they'll know what to do in case of an emergency. Absolutely, yeah. We, uh, I second that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, doubling back a little bit to my sprinkler comment. Um, sprinklers, I think most people see them, uh, generally understand how they work. Uh, I'd like to ask maybe if you can explain a little bit how they work, at least what the design principle is behind it. And then, if you can, uh, we know that means water is entering a building. Uh, that could be problematic in a lot of ways. Um, so maybe we can have a quick conversation around the effect of water um, uh, and whatnot. So maybe if you could just kind of start with the idea of what sprinklers are designed to do. All right, so we know, you know, through NFPA statistics and statistics across the industry, you know, sprinklers save lives in the fact that they put out fires. Sure. So uh, the design of a sprinkler head is going to be based upon the occupancy, the flow rates needed, depending on the fire load within, you know, that room. Um, along with the positioning in which that sprinkler head is installed. So there's certain type of sprinkler heads that can be installed, let's say, in a ceiling versus there may be a sprinkler head that can be installed on a wall. Okay. And that, and that will, def the deflector in that sprinkler head will shower water in the pattern that it's intended to do. Okay. Yep. Um, now the flow rates from the sprinkler head are based upon the pressure in the system along with the size of the orifice in that sprinkler um, and then the activation temp of the fusible link in that sprinkler head varies depending on the hazards within that building. So you say activation, so there's a, there's a mechanism built into the sprinkler sure. that heats up yep. during a fire and at some point will 
will melt or almost like a candle wick, it'll cause the sprinkler to yep. go off. It's so like that's what we call in a sprinkler head, it's a, it's a fusible link. Um, typically they're different colors, uh, depending on the color will determine the activation temperature Got it. for that actual sprinkler head. Okay. When that fusible link breaks or melts, then the mechanism that's holding the water back will release, causing water to enter into the sprinkler head and obviously you know, pour water out of the sprinkler head. Sure. Um, so we typically see, you know, higher temperature sprinkler heads, uh, you know, in higher hazard areas. So let's say a boiler room, because mm. we know boiler rooms are going to heat up just for the fact that it's a boiler room, <laughs> yeah. uh, versus let's say in a living room or a kitchen, you know, we want them to activate at, you know, a temperature lower because we know it's when they're impinged on fire, they're going to activate. Um, but in a higher temp area, such as a boiler room, you may have a higher temp sprinkler head just because it's it's just hotter in that room. Makes due sense. To, yeah. You know, inherent nature of that of that room. Yeah. Um, now, on the water mitigation side, <laughs> this is a, a, a hot topic in the risk management world now. Okay. Um, especially for us at HAI Group in the risk department, because what we see is, let's say, for instance, you have an activated sprinkler head on the tenth floor of a high-rise building, right? Now, the sprinkler head activation can be because I accidentally hit it when I was moving into the unit with uh, my mattress, or the sprinkler head activated because, you know, there was a fire underneath it. Mm. When that sprinkler head activates, hundreds of gallons of water per minute is going to come pouring out of it. Um, and especially if it's on the 10th floor of a building, we know that that water travel is going to go from the 10th floor down potentially to the first floor. Wow. Um, so what gets affected is, you know, your building mechanicals, your electrical, your flooring, um, the walls, your elevators, yeah. elevator shafts. So we can see, you know, a small little fire that might have started in a kitchen potentially could have caused, you know, $10,000 worth of damage, at, let's say for a new stove and new cabinets and, you know, new fixtures. But when you add in the um, the water mitigation and the water costs going from the 10th floor down to the first, um, potentially, especially in the insurance world, we've seen claims, you know, over a million dollars due to the water damage. Um, so what we put out resources and we have resources available, uh, the best thing that property managers or housing, ag housing agencies can do is to have a plan for water mitigation. Okay. Consulting with your authority having jurisdiction um, is vitally important. You can go, maybe go to your fire department and they can, you know, if it's a confirmed accidental activation, they may be okay if you are trained and authorized to close an isolation valve in the system. Really? Um, so it, it, let's say it's just a small branch line, you know, going down the third floor and you know uh, it's an accidental activation, they may allow you to close an isolation valve so that way the only part of that sprinkler system that's inop inoperable is the, the line that you shut down and everything else remains in service. Yeah. Um, or they might say, you know, um, that they don't feel comfortable with you doing that, but have a plan for when the fire department shows up so that way they know um, where your isolation valves are, where your sprinkler control room is. Um, you know, the quicker the fire department can get on scene, get up to that third floor, and they can close that isolation valve, then obviously the less water damage is gonna happen. Well, all right, so yeah, you, you painted a really um, detailed picture, and I think 
I think you can really see how quickly a small fire, as you laid out, can cause huge damages to especially a high-rise building where gravity is just going to pull that water down through the walls. You said elevator shafts. That sounds expensive. Um, important to have those plans, and I think the, the, the idea of, of maybe isolating, if allowed, mm -hmm. um, certainly could help reduce uh, that. Is there any preventative, water-managed preventative measures that you could put in place so that if you can't isolate, there's almost like, you know, uh, uh, an absorption or something. I, I don't know if that's real, but is there any way to kind of pre prevent that? So one thing that you can do is look at areas in the building where you know your high spots and your low spots are hmm. for your flooring, right? So if we know where water is going to go, then we can you know, proact proactively plan on how to get that water out of the building. Okay. Um, you know, and speaking with some industry reps, you know, they sometimes they recommend, you know, take a jar full of marbles and put them on the ground <laughs> and let them go where they're going to go because yeah. that's going to, they're going to find the low spots sure. in the building. That's obviously where water is going to collect. So we know in the building there's going to be, um, you know, plumbing fixtures such as shower pans and then, um, you know, your toilet flanges where you can get water out of a particular floor. Um, there may be floor drains installed um, there you go. that you can get that water out. So you need to know where the water is going to go. And then from that collection point, you can figure out a way to get it out of the building. There are manufacturers that make um, floor trench drainage systems that you can buy where um, you know, you consult with your building official, you consult with an engineer, and then they can install these floor drains, um, you know, within your floor, so that way water goes in the drain and goes out of the building. Uh, and again, that can be something that's costly, yeah. but, um, you know, the upfront costs versus the cleaning up costs, if you put it in perspective, um, it definitely is proactive risk management to figure out where is water going to collect and how do you get it out of the building? Yeah, for sure. Wow. All right. Good tips there. Thank you for that. Um, you, you've spoken a couple times or alluded to the fact that talking to your local jurisdiction, talking to your perhaps local firehouse um, could help as we plan through some of the development um, or, or, or rehabbing some of these units and going through some of these preventative measures with perhaps water mitigation. Um, What's the, is the, what's the best way to kind of build that relationship? We've talked about in other episodes how important community partnerships are across the board, mm -hmm. from the financial side uh, to the services side and the, the safety uh, side uh, as well. From your angle, um, working in a firehouse and whatnot, um, what's the best angle for the agency to, to kind of build that relationship and then maintain it? So reaching out initially to introduce yourself okay. and, you know, starting with just a meeting to, yeah. to discuss with those first responders, you know, how, how are you going to respond to our properties? Because then if you, if you see what they're going to do, then you can adequately prepare for that response. Um, so if you were the property manager and I'm the responding fire department, you know, I would come to your property and potentially walk through it and tell you, you know, if there's a fire here, this is where we're going to park. This is how we're going to approach things. This is how we're going to operate. Um, and knowing how, let's say, the fire department is going to operate, then you can plan your agency response plans around that. Um, that, that relationship is so vitally important because uh, even, for instance, first responders are going to be re 
coming to your properties you know, at night and after hours and things like that. So let's say you may have an, an instance that's a, a near miss. You know, if you have a good relationship with the fire department, they'll still give you a call and give you a heads up that, hey, you know, we, we, ha we almost had a fire or we had a really bad call at this location, um, but everybody's okay. So having that relationship with your fire department, your local health department, the building department, police department, um, it's just everybody collaboratively working together. Um, and it, it, it is extremely important because you know they're the ones that are going to help you when it comes to an emergency yeah. and then you as the property owner can help plan to make your emergency operations plan around the way that they're going to operate on your site. That makes sense. Everybody's all, it's a communal team. Uh, we've heard again in other episodes, it sounds the same uh, thing on the fire side. We appreciate the, that advice and those tips. Uh, before we wrap here though, we, we, we kind of like to ask this question. Uh, we're not going to hold you to it, but if you had a crystal ball in front of you, we're kind of thinking future state. Um, is there any interesting technologies, um, maybe con not controversial, but um, alternative thoughts on, on fire mitigation, uh, fire safety that, that uh, you might want to maybe just kind of put out there as kind of things to watch for um, or changing uh, in the field uh, at all? In relation to fire safety for the buildings, I think what we have to keep in consideration is the age and the construction of the building. Sure. You know, newer, newer buildings that are built, you know, today are going to be, um, they're built a lot safer than buildings that were built in the 50s or 60s or 70s. Um, and fire does react differently to newer type construction versus older type construction. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of the newer lightweight construction that's built in wood frame homes now does burn you know a little quicker okay because um, just the the lumber isn't true dimensional lumber like it was back in the 50s or 60s um, you know fire loads have changed in size buildings um, you know there's more plastics things burn hotter things burn faster um, and the smoke coming off of these plastics is you know, 10 or 20 times more toxic than the smoke that's yeah. coming off of clean wood, you know, back, you know, back in the day. Um, so what we need to look at is the layout of our buildings, making sure our residents know how to get out if there's an emergency, making sure the residents know where to go if there's an emergency, how to report things, how to get, um, you know, maintenance requests through just so we can maintain the buildings that we have. Um, you know, newer style buildings, yeah, they're just they're, they're going to be engineered safer um, the materials are going to last longer uh, if it's a high-rise structure you know they're really building things just to be as sturdy and strong as possible <coughs> but it is vitally important that um, our residents our property managers our maintenance personnel everybody has to be on the same page yeah um, but as far as new technology goes you know they're doing a lot of good things in regards to security you know site security as far as um, key maintenance programs, key fobs, security cameras, um, things of that nature. Um, but on the fire safety side, you know, making sure that your smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors work, your fire alarm system, your emergency pull cords, the, whatever equipment you have in your building, you need to maintain it. It's not like you can just get rid of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can always add things to your building, but it is funding dependent and project specific. Sure. Sure. Well, no, thank you for that. I mean, I think the bottom line is fires are going to happen mm -hmm. and people like you uh, and your colleagues that, that, that 
come and help uh, uh, put those out are going to always be um, the best way to, sure. to, to, to solve that, that problem. We appreciate the time today, um, and thank you. No problem. I appreciate uh, the time to talk about it, and I think risk management always is in the, you know, we, we put it in the forefront, but we always want to make sure that, you know, safety is the utmost priority when it comes to our residents, our staff, our employees, or even our visitors to our properties. Um, so there's always things we can put in place. We can always try to make things safer, uh, plan for accidents when, they're, when they happen, um, and then have a plan for the aftermath of those accidents. So well said. I appreciate the time and uh, the conversation. Great. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for listening to today's show, and thank you to our guests. If you like what you've heard, please hit the like button. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episodes right to your device.